With the 10th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, Cleveland Browns select Jedrick Wills, tackle Alabama. Grant Delpit, defensive back LSU. Jordan Elliott, defensive tackle Missouri. Jacob Phillips, linebacker LSU. And it's tight end Harrison Bryant. Good morning, Cleveland. I've woken up and it's like Christmas. The Browns have signed 15 undrafted free agents. So before we start talking about them, Ian's looking at me in disgust. Ian, how are you, sir? I'm good. We are, the, the, the 2020 draft is complete. I watched all 255 picks, would have been 256 if the Arizona Cardinals hadn't uh, taken somebody in the supplemental draft. So there was one forfeited pick, 255 picks, approximately... I want to say 13 hours of TV watching over the weekend. So I, it's Sunday. I got a lot of work I got to get done. So back on the grind come Monday morning. All right, well, let's go straight in it, Ian. What grade are you giving the Cleveland Browns drafting this year? I think that's a great question because in the past, I think a lot of times when we assign grades, we'd always realistically give the Browns a higher grade just based on our, our bias. And I think for once, I can legitimately say that I think the Browns had a B-plus draft. Not an A? Not an A, Ian? I wouldn't give it quite an A because here's what I'm doing. I'm looking around the league and I'm like, all right, if there's more drafts that I like better, then I'd have to give them an A. I just like what they did. Nothing sexy. They didn't – I think B-plus is where I'm sticking. I like a B-plus on this one. And who was seven? Who are the best drafters in the, uh, would you say, at this stage? At this point, just from kind of looking over all of the different ones, unfortunately, I think one of the better drafts is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here we go, mate. I, I saw a piece, an article, saying that they were the worst draft. I don't know if you saw that article. Um, the analytical numbers said that they had the worst draft. I'll go through my Twitter and find it. But Yeah, we you were... have to tag me on that because I – the, when I look at their draft and I just look at a team, they did not dabble much in free agency. You know, they only added two guys. They went out and got Derek Wolf and they got Calais Campbell. And then they just started addressing some needs. They got a couple guards. They got J.K. Dobbins, who's a good situational back. They've got two wide receivers, James Brochet, Devin DuVernay. They got Justin Matabuke, who I think the Browns really wanted. You know, he now has time to develop under Calais Campbell. They added Harrison and Queen at the linebackers. And in the seventh round, you get a guy like Geno Stone. I just feel like that's a pretty damn good draft. Yeah, and um, uh, I thought the Cowboys, Dallas did, uh, the Cowboys did well. Agree or not? Yeah, I think the Cowboys, I kind of went through, you know, each one. I haven't dissected too much yet. I'd say with the Cowboys, they had, I like the pick they had at the end of the fourth round, the center out of Wisconsin. I liked in the fifth round, they got Bradley and I, the pass rush out of Utah. You know, those are two kind of picks that stood out to me that the Cowboys made. I also think getting CeeDee Lamb at pick number 17 was kind of just an absolute gift that fell into their lap. But it'll be curious to see because Dallas has never had a talent issue. They've just had an issue putting everything together. And I want to see what Mike McCarthy does with it as opposed to Jason Garrett. So Yeah, I'm going to go with the... A minus for the Browns. 
I thought I thought we were very mature and we took best player available versus trying to fill needs. Now, yes, that may come and bite us in the arse. Um, I, I, I'm worried about our linebacker room, I'll be honest. But otherwise, like taking that tight end, you know, my first reaction was, what the hell, why are we taking a tight end? But, you know, looking at what, uh, Stavansky, what he does uh, with all his tight ends, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting and we've got a really strong tight end room. Thoughts, Arian? I do think that they definitely addressed positions of need, but in the same sense, I think that they also are looking down the road. I think when you start looking at some of the picks in Nick Harris, you know, and then in Harrison Bryant, who based on what he can do, getting him in the fourth round was a pretty damn good selection. I think that you're going to take him, let him Take a year. You're going to know Najoku still has two years left. So we're going to find out here in the next week, whether or not they exercise his fifth year option. So if you do have Hooper, you do have Najoku and Harrison Bryant, that's a pretty good mix. And it gives him, you know, him some room to develop. You know, one of the things I liked about the Ravens draft is they got Matabuke to go under Clayus Campbell. They've got Malik Harrison. They've got Patrick queen. These guys developing under veterans like Matthew Judon, highest Bowser. Um, in the same sense, you have two rookie receivers. So the Browns did similar things that the Ravens did. We're just not quite to their level yet. You know, we're going to be saying, okay, Jedrick Wills, you're going in right away. You're starting day one. But Jordan Elliott, Sheldon Richardson, why don't you teach this guy kind of what the ropes are like? Jacob Phillips is going to come in. The linebacking room may be a little bit thin, but it gives him a chance where he doesn't have to start right away. And then getting Grant Delpit, who can go in behind Andrew Sandejo, who's a veteran in his own right. I just think that the Browns filled positions of need with guys that don't necessarily have to start day one. And that's kind of how the good teams do it. We ask why Baltimore, why Pittsburgh are constantly able to hit on a higher percentage of their draft picks. It's because they're not forced into the fire on day one. What players do you think will be starting um, week one for the Browns? Jedrick Wills, Grant Delpit. That's it. Yeah. I think those are the only two. I know people are really high on Donovan Peoples-Jones. The wide receiver room, I saw you tweeted out earlier, is going to be interesting because we have two guys in JoJo Nadson and Kaderil Hodge who are mainly special teams guys. And if you categorize them as wide receivers – you know, I saw earlier Jack mentioned something about five wideouts versus six. So even if we go six, and I only reason I say that it's because we're going to put JoJo Nadson in as a wide receiver, even though he's really a specialist, that only leaves four spots. Because my guess is Prefer is going to want to keep Kadero Hodge. He's going to want to keep Nadson. So now we're talking about four wide receivers. Well, Beckham and Landry are kind of the no-brainers. So now we're down to two, which leaves Taiwan Taylor, DJ Montgomery, Damian Ratley and Donovan Peoples-Jones for two spots. And if we go five, one spot. Realistically, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones did not develop as a player in college like some may have thought. This is a guy, sixth-round talent. Get him in there. Let him learn. He may end up on the practice squad this year. I just, I, I think I'd feel more comfortable going with a guy like Taiwan Taylor or Damian Ratley than I would Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's just a raw mold the clay and you know let's let let's let the, the the wide receivers coach kind of take care of him but I don't see him starting day one yeah Donovan was um is really highly rated by the Browns fans 
I don't watch college football. Tell us, how good is he? So Donovan Peoples-Jones was one of the top wide receiver prospects coming out of high school from the Detroit area. And Ohio State, I do follow Ohio State recruiting quite heavily. Urban Meyer, actually, I just reposted it on my Twitter yesterday. Urban Meyer was doing a, a little bit with Jeremy Birmingham talking about the recruitment process of Donovan Peoples-Jones. And him and Kerry Combs went up there and really thought that they were going to bring him into the mold at Ohio State. He chose to go to Michigan. He was a highly regarded recruit, five-star, goes into Michigan. Michigan at the time did not have consistent quarterback play. They went and got a guy named Shea Patterson from Ole Miss. He transferred in. He was going to be the knight in shining armor. He sucked. I mean, you watch Shea Patterson play, and Peoples-Jones would be two, three yards, five yards behind the DB, and Patterson would hit the cheerleader in the 10, you know, 10 feet off the field, or he'd overthrow him and it'd be picked. I mean, Shea Patterson was an absolute dumpster fire of a quarterback, and it really hurt Peoples-Jones' development as a receiver. So you run into the thing where saying, if he goes to a program like Ohio State, where you get a chance not only to develop your skill set on the field because you're going up against, as we see, the BIA, Best in America, Secondary, a.k.a. DBU, every single day in practice, but they really focus on personal and player development. So when you are a player and you're coming out of Ohio State, you are on a different level of preparation. You know how to compete. You know, guys like Chris Carter, guys like, you know, David Boston, whoever the, you know, past guys, they always come back to the program and help these guys out in terms of making them ready for the pros. So it's a constant cycle, and that's how you're able to build that. Michigan doesn't have it. Braylon Edwards, he tweets all the time how much he doesn't like Michigan. So it's a weird thing. I'm just thinking that Peoples-Jones is going to need at least a year, maybe a year and a half, to kind of develop, catch up to the rest of the squad. But he does have some insanely raw talent. I mean, this guy is six foot one and a half, 212 pounds, and jumps 44 and a half inches. I mean, that is – that is some serious height. You know, I know a lot of people were, Browns fans were complaining about K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill's 5'11 and has a 32-inch vertical. We, we've got enough 5'11 receivers. Like, can I get a guy with a little bit of height? So, I don't have a problem with them passing up on K.J. Hill, going with Donovan Peoples-Jones. K.J. Hill actually landed in a fantastic situation out there in the Chargers. He is really going to be able to kind of put his mark on that wide receiver three slot role now that they've moved on from Derek Watts. So, great, you know, karma kind of works out that way. The Browns get a nice pet project. K.J. Hill ends up in a great spot out with the Chargers. Do you think he's as good as uh, Callaway, for example? He is a better receiver than Callaway. I think Callaway is – I think he's a little faster. If I'm not mistaken, Callaway was in the four threes. I think Donovan ran a four four eight. So, when you're talking about that level of fast, though – Here's the problem with Antonio Callaway. He's not reliable. You had no idea whether he was going to come into the facility on Monday. Is he going to get arrested? Yeah, take that, but take that away, though, because he was potentially first-round talent. And um, on, where, where did we take him? We took him in the fourth, didn't we? We took Callaway in the fourth. We took Peoples-Jones in the sixth. Yeah, okay. And so you, on draft paper... It sounds like Callaway was a more I, higher prospect than Donovan. It's a great question. If we're eliminating all of the off-the-field stuff, I put them in similar mold. Peoples-Jones is a little bit bigger. I think Callaway's probably a little faster. But Callaway wasn't a very polished route runner. I think Peoples-Jones would be a better receiver. But I also think if Donovan Peoples-Jones had chosen Ohio State and gone there, he probably would have been a top 50 pick. 
And Urban, Urban Meyer said it, this guy has top 10 draft pick talent. So it's not that Peoples-Jones does not have talent. This guy is insanely talented. Urban Meyer said he was the best wide receiver coming out of high school he had ever seen. That's some serious praise. Mate, that's, that's a big call. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has – he's just a physically gifted guy. Here's a question for you then. What Browns player over the last five years do you think he's most similar to? Ooh, that's a good question. Sammy Coates? Oh, heavens no. I don't, I don't know if we've had anybody that's really – from a wide receiver standpoint, because, you know, I'm trying to think in the last five years. I'm going back to 2015. Ricardo Lewis? No, Ricardo Lewis was this project out of Auburn. Here's the thing. It's tough. Took, it's tough. We took him in the sixth, fifth, third, fifth, or fifth or sixth round, yeah. Well, that was that year we took all those receivers with Higgins and the guy from UCLA whose name escapes me, Jordan Payton. Um, I don't think we've had anybody kind of of that where you're talking about 6'1 and a bit, 4'4", 44-and-a-half-inch vertical. But the problem is, is he just didn't have any consistent quarterback play. So I, I can't even really answer. I can't think of a Browns receiver because we had the years of Taylor Gabriel, Hawkins, Brian Hartline. Hodge is quite big, don't he? Yeah, Kadero Hodge is big. The problem is, is he's just not the athlete that Donovan Peoples-Jones is. It'll be interesting to see. I think come to camp, do the best you can, and hey, if he can make the squad, he can make the squad. If not, we'll figure out a way to get him on the practice squad. Hmm. Yeah, so um, but yeah, otherwise, I thought the Browns had a good draft. Um, okay, you know, I was, in my reaction to the defensive tackle, um, I wanted a linebacker there. I am still worried about the linebacker room, but let's uh, prove me wrong. And uh, this LSU linebacker, uh, I've got a lot of faith that he's a strong tackler. And I know Jack's not too happy with him on the analytic side, but uh, like Jeff Lloyd, for example, was over the moon to get him. Yeah, Jacob Phillips, I think, has two traits that you really like. He has a lot of straight line speed and he's a very good tackler. He's not going to stack up on the PFF, which is, you know, kind of Jack's bread and butter. So when it comes to his ability to be in coverage, versatility, see, PFF is going to take his ability to be a versatile football player. Can he be an all-around? Because think about it. They grade him in coverage. They grade him in pass rush. They grade him in run. They grade him in all these different categories. Well, if he's only good in two of them, that means he's bad in three of them. So he's not going to be a very high-regarded PFF player. Now, I do think that starting day one, he will be on special teams. I think Mike Prefer can look at him and say, this is a guy that is a heat-seeking missile. This is a guy that can run down the field. And this is a guy that can tackle. So you're talking about a guy that at least can come in on day one at that 97th pick and contribute. It just would be on a special teams standpoint. I mean, this guy runs a 4-6 at 230 pounds. I mean, that's moving. Ian, we've mentioned about the Ravens. What about uh, Steelers and the Bengals? Are you um, worried that they've got potentially one up on us over this draft, or you think it's all quite even, Stevens? I think that all four teams in the AFC North did a pretty damn good job of drafting. So in the past, what would happen is, is the Browns would sometimes get too cute. You know, we'd look at a draft and we'd be like, all right, we really like this pick, this pick. But then all of a sudden in the fifth round, we'd take a Malcolm Johnson, a fullback out of AM, or, you know, some random pick, a Carlton Mitchell out of UCF. And the Ravens and the Steelers would just sit back and they'd be like, oh, I'll take um, Geno Stone in the seventh round or James Prochet, that receiver out of SMU in the sixth round. 
And then these guys come in and contribute. And what happens is, is the Browns take flyers on guys outside of the mold where we're a, we're a Buckeye fan and we saw Geno Stone make a pick six from Iowa and take it to the house. So there's a perception of picks. The Steelers go out and they get Anthony McFarland, the running back out of Maryland. And anybody who's an Iowa State fan knows this guy put up 300 yards on us a couple years ago. This is a guy, he's not very big, but he's fast. Then they go out and get a guard who they need because they really only have two guards. They get a nice rusher in Alex Highsmith. It just seems like they sit back, they do what they're supposed to do, and they draft guys that fit the system. And the problem was is the Browns never would do that. They would always draft these cutesy, outside-of-the-box, set-the-valve-type picks, and we'd all be sitting back going, all right, how can I justify? How can I make this pick valid? Because they didn't make a lot of sense. It just always seemed like in the past, the Steelers and the Ravens made picks that make sense. The Browns and the Bengals always made these kind of off-the-wall, wacky picks. Well, now, the Bengals, they didn't, they didn't shit the bed. I mean, they go out, they get T. Higgins, they get Joe Burrow, they get Logan Wilson, who was obviously a fan of a lot, or a lot of Browns fans were a fan of. They also get Akeem Davis-Gaither, who I know that Jack was pretty high on. Um, they get the pass rusher out of Notre Dame, Khalid Kareem. And then in the seventh round, they take a flyer on Marcus Bailey, who this guy at Purdue was an animal when he was on the field. Now, he unfortunately has battled some knee injuries, but getting that guy in the seventh round where you can get him in there, that's a great pick. I actually really like that pick. I liked watching Marcus Bailey. He's from Columbus, uh, graduate of Hilliard Davidson, I believe. Um, so he's a hell of a football player. Get him in there in Cincinnati, and those are the type of picks they need. And Joe Burrow's the easiest one in the, in the draft. That was the most obvious can't miss picking the whole thing. So yeah, the Bengals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers all had really good drafts. So this leads us to the question of, I don't think one team pulled ahead, but not one team fell behind. So consultative, Ian. Um, yeah, the, the next question is a few Browns fans were a little bit upset that we took a center where we did. Um, what's your view? Do you think he was the best player available or we just needed a, a backup center? Well, they also went out and got Evan Brown from Miami. They brought him down. Um, so I understand the thinking. This is a guy that is a zone scheme center. So that's good. You're getting a guy that at least fits the system. The thing with Nick Harris is he's actually just a little undersized. He is not a, a big guy in any sense of the word. His best attribute is his speed. So this is a guy you hope you can get in, you can figure out where, where he's going to play. I don't see him necessarily going to guard. I don't think he's big enough to play guard. And you've got Wyatt Teller, you've got Drew Forbes, and you've got Chris Hubbard to kind of battle out for that right guard position. So this is a guy, bring him in, let him find a role. He could be your center in a couple years. I mean, this is not a guy that's going to start probably year one or year two. You have, you know, the Iron Man and J.C. Treader, but if something were to happen, it's nice that you wouldn't have to take a guy from another position and have him fill in as a center. You at least have somebody in the mold that's going to be able to project to a center down the road. Heck, at the fifth round, you're kind of throwing darts as it is. It was kind of a free pick for us moving back and getting Delpit anyways. So I have no problem with that. Pick. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Forbes next year, he was like our sixth round pick last year. Um, Project X. Project, Project X, you know. Should we be thinking high things of Forbes this year or do we just think of him as a six-round pick and it's kind of 50-50? I think that 
in the offseason, Bill Callahan has come out, not publicly, but a lot of people have said it. You've heard it on all of the different radio shows. A lot of people have reported the aspect that they think the starting right guard for the Cleveland Browns is in the building. Now, is that Drew Forbes, who obviously we know John Dorsey was high on? Is that Wyatt Teller, who John Dorsey brought in? It's a good question. But you got to remember, Forbes played college ball at Southeastern Missouri State, small school. He's now had a year to adapt to the NFL, suffered a little injury in preseason, so they just kind of pumped the brakes on him. I think that one of those guys is going to be your starter, and if not the other guy, I think he then becomes one of your versatile because now the fact that you have to keep that extra offensive lineman active on game day, having a guy like Drew Forbes is not a bad thing because Malcolm Pridgen, the other guard we have, he's probably not going to stick around. So you let Nick Harris battle with Evan Brown, see who that backup center is. You have the extra tackle now with Kendall Lamb. Boom, there you go. We've had like people like Rod Johnson, if I'm correct. Roderick Johnson, Florida State, yeah. Uh, I think he's starting down in Houston now. See, it's crazy, eh? He was a guy that Fifth he, round. he was a guy that came into the league. Was Fifth that? round pick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a later round pick. The thing with Rod Johnson is, is he had talent. It just wasn't a good fit. I mean, if you remember right, when the Browns um, brought him in, he was a guy that they kind of had high upside for. They thought, oh, this is a guy that could start for us in a couple of years. And then if I'm not mistaken, Sashi got let go, and then Dorsey came in, and that was the end of that. So Yeah, I think – There you go. I think, if I'm correct, um, Rod Johnson went after the first year, I think. He came in the same year yeah, as – the Browns one year. Yeah, he came in the same year as – He was 2017. He was roomies he was with – He was roomies with Zane Gonzalez and uh, – Oh, there you go. Okay. And Kaiser. Um, okay. Yes, Kaiser still in the league. Was he gone now? No, Kaiser's still Raiders. in the league. But yeah. So in 2019, Rod Johnson played in all 16 games, starting three games, two at right tackle and one at left tackle for the Houston Texans. Nuts, isn't it? And this, this is what annoys us as Browns fans is that you never know, like, different schemes and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he's doing a job in the NFL and he's starting every game. When you blow up the roster as often as we do, we're talking about a guy that was drafted in 2017, and that's three GMs ago. It's insane. Yeah. That's, and, and that's what the Steelers and the Ravens, that's why they've always had it on us. One guy makes the picks, one guy coaches the team. I remember, and I know people hate him, but I remember Ray Farmer telling me this story. He said, they, the, the Steelers, whether it's um, Kevin Colbert or with the Ravens, it was not Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsom. They look and say, my outside linebacker is going to do this, this, and this. They give the scouts three things. So when I was talking to Farmer, Farmer said, each one of my scouts has three attributes to look for in a player to fit a specific position. And that's what they do. Find me an outside rusher that's good at X, Y, and Z. They don't care about all the other stuff. Because when they draft him in the third, fourth, fifth round, sit him on the practice squad, let him develop, and then all of a sudden in a couple of years, boom, this guy's a starter and he's a contributor. We don't do that because we shit can everybody so fast. We're constantly turning the roster over. I mean, go back and look through Brown's drafts. There's guys all over the league, the Alex Max, the Joe Haydens, the TJ Wards, all these guys. I mean, how Cam Irving won a freaking Super Bowl. You know, Emmanuel Agba, he signed a big contract down in, in Miami. Carl Nassib, he signed with the Raiders. We have all these guys we drafted, and they're not, they're not bad players. They're contributors in the league. But, well, not my guy, not my guy. <laughs> Out they go. Has to stop Reid, on it? I really hope that uh, Barry gives all our Dorsey players a real fair try outside. 
He said as much in his presser. He said, listen, we don't care how they come in here. They, we care about do they fit our scheme. And I think the fifth-year extension is May 3rd. So I'm curious. Barry was on the staff that drafted Njoku in 17. Obviously, in last year, his contribution level went down after the injury. Hopefully, David loves him some him a little less than he did last year. The guy is a physical freak. He would be an, uh, an insanely valuable asset on this roster. But having Hooper, Najoku, and having Harrison Bryant in the fold to develop, man, it just it looks good and it makes sense. You know, I think that if there's one thing Browns fans agree on, this draft made a lot of sense in some, you know, in some considerations. In the past, you couldn't always say that. And I said this to a couple of my friends out there. The one thing I really appreciated, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, it seemed like they were prepared. They were planning. Everything they planned, everything they prepared for, I think the strategies they laid out, I think the way they went about it was very professional. At the end of the day, we don't know. 50, as Jack's article said, 37% of players drafting the first round actually make it to a second contract. So at the end of the day, all I can ask from my GM is be prepared, execute your plan, and be professional, and don't do anything stupid. And they didn't. So hat tip to them on their first, on their first draft because I just thought it went off really well. We haven't heard the Browns in the media for anything stupid. So please continue keeping, keep that up. Do you think we did enough on the defense side, though? Uh, it doesn't feel like we've taken enough defensive players in the draft. That's my only criticism. Well, it's, it's a great criticism. I mean, you took one, hopefully one potential starter on each level. We took a D tackle, a linebacker, and a safety. We didn't take any corners which tells me that they maybe they believe a little bit more in, you know, Kevin Johnson than I do. Also, are guys going to get cut? Could there be options out there? You know, is Nigel Bradham still an option at linebacker? I mean, as much as Willie Harvey had some heads turned a little bit last year, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, continue that? Um, Tay Davis, special teams guy. Maybe they got some plans. Maybe Jadavian Clowney's here next week. You never know. You really think so? I don't think it's something we should rule out. They have, they have that lottery chip in, in Olivier Vernon. It's a $15 million chip. Do you want to cash it in? What do you want to do? Yeah, it's a tough one. And uh, where do you reckon we are up on the cap space? I know it's a question for Jack, but we should be in quite a good position, surely. We, we are in great position. We are still leading the league in cap space. But real quick, I'm curious. What do you think? How do you, how do you think the Browns overall approach draft? Do you, did you like the way just from a strategy standpoint, because you're very good at kind of maybe not necessarily the ins and outs of the football side, but the strategy, the structure, the execution. How do you think all that went down? I thought the communication was poor with the fans, but that's more of a general operational point of view or a marketing point of view. Uh, I thought that the, um, yeah, I, th I thought they, they, were, they took the opportunities when they had them. They didn't seem to be flustered. And, uh, they stood at 10, they took their player. Great, you know. And I think every time they obviously had an opportunity to trade back, the market wasn't very good trading back this year. So it makes sense. Take the players. Um, my criticism was, yeah, the, the, lineback, the linebacker. I, I, I really wanted that starting linebacker, to be honest, Ian. I think that was my, um, that was my big thing. I was hoping that the third pick was going to be a linebacker that we could see definitely being a key player starting this year. So that, that was probably my only criticism. But yeah, I thought, I thought they were very good. 
And uh, we'll talk about undrafted free agents afterwards or after this topic. Yeah, we'll get into We'll let the team make that official first. I know yesterday there was a lot of reports about guys signing and not signing. Hang so on a minute, Ian. The My uh, undrafted free agent confirmation <laughs> is like, uh, like signed in stone, mate. One agent did come to me, back to me, said, actually, our player hasn't signed with the Browns yet. <laughs> I know, I saw it. And I think he did that to multiple people because – a lot of guys were running with it. And then you saw quickly right after they sent you that message. We may have been quick to, ju- quick to the I'm gun. Leaving on this it, I'm one, leaving so. it in there. I'm doing a Ben Albright special. Delete it, though, when it's not true. There you go. I just think that they, um, when you're talking about that linebacker, I think you run into the issue of, was there a guy there that they felt fit the bill? So, like, when you look at that second round of picks, and I'm, you know, you look through them, the only linebackers second round, uh, you have some inside Willie Gay and Logan Wilson right there at the end. You had an outside linebacker, Josh Uche. So that inside guy, I think maybe Willie Gay was the one guy that they, I know had brought in for a visit and did some homework on. But outside of that, you had the two linebackers go right there in the beginning uh, of the third round. And that's, that's, that's about it. I mean, you know, there really wasn't too much else. And I think that's why they waited all the way to the to the 97 before they took that linebacker. And then you saw Harrison, Tanner Muse, uh, Highsmith, Davion Taylor. You saw a bunch of linebackers kind of go right after that. But I think it was more of just kind of reading the room and seeing where the linebackers were going to go. They probably had a lot of them grouped Do together. you think, no, that is he called Zach Byrne could have started as, a, a started as our linebacker, though, if we took him instead of traded? Which one? Is it Zach Byrne? Oh, Zach Bond. Bond, yeah. It's, it is, it's one of the guys that I know whose name kept coming up. The thing about it is, is when we took Schobert in the fourth round a number of years ago, he was that kind of outside rusher, and then they fluctuated his weight a little bit. The thing with Bond is how effective could he be inside? He seemed to be a little bit more of kind of the one-trick pony. That's why I think he fell. I think when people were sitting there in that third round, they're like, okay, when's this guy going to go? I think it's mainly because he has a single skill set that is, you know, what they were looking for. So unless you're a team that runs that three, four outside um, linebacker scheme, which ends up being a team like new Orleans, he doesn't really fit. So my guess is looking at Joe Woods, system where he's probably going to go with that nickel base. You're talking about a four, two, five, I don't know if Bond fits. He, I, I would highly doubt they had him very high on their draft board. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I just think well, I'll ask your question. Your question first, or question for you first is: Do you think if you pick a third rounder, they should be starting next year? I think it depends on the position of need. Um, in the sense of the Browns, I'll use their two third rounders. You look at a guy like Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott better have meaningful snaps his rookie year. I'm not, he probably not going to start because obviously you're talking about Ogan Joby, Richardson, and Andrew Billings. So he's got three guys ahead of him. Now they don't all do the same thing. Like I said, Sheldon's more of that one and three technique with Larry, whereas Billings is kind of the big boy in the middle. So I don't need him taking 60 snaps a game, but I would like him out there in situational things to kind of get a feel for the league, give those guys a blow. You know, one of the things defensive coordinators throughout history have always said is you need to keep your defensive lineman fresh. So he better be one of those guys keeping those linemen fresh. 
and he better learn and develop under those veterans. That's why he's in here because in year two or year three, before we talk about that second contract, you better be contributing as if not a starter, you better be the first man off the bench. Hmm. Oh, I, Phillips is the guy. I think he starts day one on special teams. So I think he fills that role. But when you're talking about the 97, you know, I'd be curious and you know, we can do this. What we'll do is throughout the year, we'll take the guys, the Browns drafted and we'll compare them to other guys in the situation. We'll pick a few linebackers, a few D tackles. We'll track Matabuke versus Jordan Elliott. We'll look at, you know, McTelvin Ajim, who is a guy that went right after, or uh, yeah, right after Jordan Elliott. We'll take a look at some of them and just see how other teams are using these guys and how many snaps they're getting. Hey, we're PFF, baby. We can get all this information, like, you know, as soon as we need it. Excellent. Well, let's talk my favorite thing of the whole year, undrafted free agents. Now, I don't know why it really excites me, but I always like to try and find a, a gem in the rough, if that makes sense. Diamond in the rough, baby. Diamond in the rough. That's perfect. And I've got four names. Uh, AJ Green, Alex Taylor, George Obinia, and one of the running backs. I'm not sure which one yet. Which one do you think is better? Benny May or Brian Harain? I, I think that Brian Harrion, the running back out of Georgia... This is a guy who's a you know a really good running back. He just had really good running backs ahead of him. I mean, you're talking about the likes of Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift. I mean, this was just a guy who could not crack this, you know, the starting lineup, which tells me, hey, he's probably a pretty good player. And a lot of times we see that that when these guys come out of college, you know, they have a lot of miles left on the you know, a lot of miles left on the car. You know, I'll just give you a little bit of a, a a snippet here from Brugler's guide regarding Brian Harrion. It says, overall, he was overshadowed most of his career due to a crowded running back depth chart in Athens. But he was productive when called upon and has enough NFL-level skills as a runner, receiver, and blocker to fight for a backup role. That is what you're looking for when it comes to your UDFA running backs and stuff like that. Because to be fair, I don't know how much better he is or DeAndre Swift is than he is. And DeAndre Swift was taking third pick of the second round. You know, when it comes to Benny LeMay, the kid out of Charlotte, this is what Brugler said. Overall, LeMay isn't a burst player and must improve his reliability and pass pro, but he has an excellent feel for run angles and how to pick his way through the defense, projecting as a late round option. Get him in here. I don't need to see Nick Chubb getting tackled in OTAs and in mini camps and stuff like that. Throw those guys in there and let them take the beatings. The question is, is are they going to be good as uh, uh, what they called uh, Hilliard and Dontrell Hilliard and Dernis Johnson? You know what? We're going to find out because when you bring in these young and hungry running backs, that's what you want them for. You want these guys in there. You want them battling. You want them competing. Because at the end of the day, the more guys that are out there that are pushing the envelope, that are trying to raise the water level, the better your team is. So I have no problem with it. Get them in there, let them battle it out, and let's go. Another Brit has joined the Browns, Solomon AJ. Uh, Solomon Ajayi, that's Jay Ajayi's brother, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, some fans are really excited about it. I haven't seen a lot of draft notes on it, to be honest. Uh, I'm in talks with NFL UK trying to get him on the podcast. So watch this space. But yeah, um, uh, another Brit. Uh, I told Scottish Hammer he's excited. So uh, that's awesome, mate. Good for him. You know, come in here. I think they gave him a pretty decent contract. You know, he's coming out of Liberty. So 
just like the kid AJ Green from Oklahoma State, they clearly made them priorities because they gave them a little bit of money. So, hey, come on in and take a fight. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? These guys come in and push the other guys that are in positions for starting roles. That's not a bad thing. I mean, this guy's six foot, 222, runs a four eight, a little slow, but knows kind of what it like takes to be an NFL guy. His brother was in the NFL. So come on in, Solomon. The water's fine. Dip your toe in it. Let's go. Question Jack always asks me is how many of these undrafted free agents do you see being on the 53 man roster or 55? 50, is it going to be 55 man roster this year? Or? Yeah, they're going up a little bit. That, and, and you know what? That is in years past, I think that conversation exists more than it maybe does now because you're talking about a team that is getting better, you know. But you talk about a guy like Alex Taylor, you had mentioned him. Alex Taylor, the guy is six foot eight, 308 pounds. I mean, what a mountain of a man. Kind of reminds me of your, uh, your buddy, Zach Banner. Big guy. Exactly. So that you, you bring a guy like this in. He started his career at Appalachian State, transfers over to South Carolina State. Does he push Kendall Lamb? So that's the thing. You talk about a guy who's a development tackle. You know, Brugler says he lacks sophistication to his game and can be tossed if his posture isn't precise. But his light feet and length are intriguing beginner traits. Projecting as a high upside zone tackle who will need time. I can tell you next year what I'm doing. When I get Brugler's guide, which everybody should have, no doubt about it. I am Googling or I'm going to search the document for the word zone. And if it has zone in the write-up, I'm writing him down for the Browns because they took Nick Harris, the zone center, and now they're talking about Alex Taylor, an agile tackle. This is a guy, his birthday's coming up, actually, uh, April 29th. So happy early birthday to Alex Taylor. This is a guy that can come in and push somebody. So those are the type of guys that you could find, one, two, three of them that make the squad. And that's fine. Please push these guys. Let's, if we can get a UDFA that's as good as some, you know, one of the veterans here, Please, please, please. I, I love it. I love seeing guys battle for positions. Make them earn it. The old stigma that people just came here to collect the check in Cleveland, get that shit out there. Get it out the door. Goodbye. I've been a Browns fan way too long seeing guys come here, cash that check, and then put a thumb up their ass and not do anything. So if Alex Taylor can crack the whip on a guy like Kendall Lamb and say, hey, man, let's get better, let's do it, baby. All right. And how many undrafted free agents are going to be on the roster first week? That's inactive or active? Two. Ooh, and who, which two are you going to go with? Oh, I have no idea. Once the team officially puts out the signing one, I'll stall for maybe an extra podcast or two to give you that answer. Ian, Ian, Ian. I'm going with two. Listen, my better, AJ, my better half AJ. made me uh, shut that draft off quickly, so I haven't had as much time to look into the undrafted guys. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go two, maybe three. Uh, last year, I betted uh, there'd be at least one, and it saved me shaving my hair off. So uh, there we go. But all right, Ian, look, anything else you want to discuss? No, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into kind of the draft uh, recaps. You know, we'll do a show maybe in a day or so, kind of let everybody digest a little bit of the content. You know, I'm sure the guys at CBD tomorrow are going to have all the great interviews with Delpit and with Peoples Jones and all the guys. So, you know, let's, let's just sit back. Be happy. The Browns, you know, definitely got better over the weekend. So that's all we can ask for. Awesome. Well, let's finish up by saying hopefully we've got a Browns legend coming on the show soon. And we may also have a Browns player coming on the show very
very soon. So exciting times. Hey, nothing but good times ahead for the Paul Brown podcast. Awesome. And uh, Ian, thanks a lot for all your hard work stuff during the draft. It was excellent. Well done. Love it. Love it. Most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns. Cleveland Browns. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam. We've come too damn far. I'm telling you, to be denied. Let's go. Let's go.